You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Good morning, Calvary Church. Delayed reaction. This should be interesting. Well, good morning, Calvary Church. I want to tell you a story, and I'm sure you've experienced this before. A couple weeks ago, we took our kids on a little road trip to go see the beauty of Niagara Falls. How many of you have been to Niagara Falls? Got to see that beauty? If you're watching online, put a little hand up. If you've been to Niagara Falls, you've seen that. We took uh, a trip over there. We got a hotel for the night, and in the middle of the night, uh, I, I got up. I was stumbling through the room and trying not to trip over children, Uh, in the process, and in the middle of the night with just enough light in the room, I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror. How many of you ever caught a glimpse of yourself in the mirror and you scared yourself? (laughs) Like, what mutant figure is this in my mirror right now? It scared me. I, I did. I had a moment. Sometimes my wife says that she worries about me because I have moments like this. Like, I couldn't do math yesterday, and she's like, honey, that's three plus seven. That's, a, that's like a gimme. But I have these moments uh, where just irrationally, I don't know why, I, I, I just, I saw a reflection of myself in the mirror, and it frightened me. You know, I just wish that they made mirrors that showed me what I wanted to see rather than the reality of how it is, Amen. right? Oh man, that was a quick reaction right there. <laughs> like, like, you know those fun house mirrors? I'm not talking about the ones that squish you down and make you bigger, got enough of that. I'm talking about the fun house mirrors that make you go like this, you know, like if you could just line your house with that, you'd be walking around like Matthew McConaughey, just like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> this is my kind of mirror. But mirrors are a reflection of reality. Whether we like it or not, that mirror ain't gonna lie about what it sees. That mirror is there to tell you the unvarnished truth about what the reflection is showing. And sometimes if we don't like the mirrors in our life that reflect back to us the reality of who we are, we have a decision to make. What do we do with that mirror? What do we do in that moment? Some of us break the mirror. We just break the mirror. Some of us cover it up. Some of us varnish the mirror in such a way that it distorts reality and we're not actually seeing clearly who we are or what we're designed to do. And I want to talk for just a few minutes as we're in this series through 1 John about reflections, about what it means to reflect the heart of God. The Apostle John, he's writing from the city of Ephesus, and he's nearing the end of his life. And as he's writing to the church, you have to just imagine what's going through his head for a moment. John had walked with Jesus. John firsthand saw the transfiguration of Christ on the mountain. He saw firsthand Jesus feeding the thousands. He saw firsthand Jesus healing everybody in the entire city. He saw firsthand Jesus walking on the water. He saw firsthand Jesus being crucified. He saw firsthand Jesus resurrected from the dead and now Jesus has ascended to be with the father he's leading the church and as he's nearing the end of his life he says this actually in second John but it's true in first John he said I'm writing these things to remind you of some critical truth and so this morning I just have a little bit of a a disclaimer nothing you hear this morning will be something you haven't heard before 
but it will be a reminder that you need that I hope will encourage your soul as you look at your reflection in the mirror of God. And John is writing this reminder to us, these insights about the heart of God, about the character of God, and how we can reflect God in our life. And really, that's the big idea this morning that I want us to walk away with out of this text out of 1 John here in just a moment. But the big idea is this, reflect the Father to the family. Reflect the Father to the family. So let's just talk for a moment about reflecting the Father. And again, I'm just going to remind you of something that you've heard so many times you can't even count it. I'm going to remind you of something that as soon as I say it, you'll say, yeah, I know. God loves you. Pastor Sharon talked about this in depth last Sunday on Mother's Day, talking about the love of God. That God loves you with an unfailing, unstoppable, immovable, immeasurable love. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. This is how John is reminding people. He's not telling you anything you haven't heard before, but he says this. See how much our Father loves us. And, and, and the, the, the push here in the Greek, the original Greek, is this is a bold declarative statement that says, like, behold or take notice of how incredible God's love is for us. Behold what peculiar, out of this world, uh, boundless, limitless, incredible, bottomless love that God has for his people. Like, when's the last time you just paused for a moment and you reflected on the love of God in your life? And you, you pause and just, just for a second, you, you look at yourself in the mirror. Maybe this is a good homework exercise for everybody today. You look at yourself in the mirror and you realize for just a moment that God loves you. With this immeasurable, immovable, limitless and boundless love, this love that drives away all fear, this love that calms your heart, this love that gives meaning to your life, this love that gives, gives depth and purpose to everything in your life, including your pain, that God loves you. And Paul says this in Ephesians, he says that, oh, you can't even, you can't even measure the love of God. You can't even measure out how much he loves you. It's boundless. You can't know the depth of it. You can't know the width of it. You can't know the height of it. His love for you is so immeasurable as shown in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's not enough tape in this world that will show you how much God loves you. I'll give you just a second to reflect on that, okay? Like, okay, God loves you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Like, I just, I get so overwhelmed sometimes thinking about the love of God that is, is so immeasurable. Can you believe just what God has done? Stop and think about it just for a minute and enjoy that movement that God loves you so incredibly much to the point that while you were his enemy, Christ died for you. That while you were lost in your sins, Christ died for you. That while you were hopeless and helpless, Christ died for you and for me. That God loves us. 
And in fact, knowing how much God loves you or getting a picture of how much God loves you, how much your Father in heaven absolutely loves you is going to make all the difference in the world in your life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to affect and infect every decision and action of your life. It's motivated and predicated on the love of God expressed in your life when you just know a little glimpse of how much God loves you. In fact, you can only come to faith in Christ by recognizing the fact that God loves you with an unending love that nothing in this earth or outside of this earth Nothing in the heights, nothing in the depth can separate you from the love of God. It's an incredible picture of the fact that God is motivated to us in love. And it's so sad that so many believers walk around with this notion that God's foremost approach to you is as judge, when God's approach to you is as father. Is as father. So why do we sing? Why do we give? Why do we lift our hands in worship? Why do we serve on ministry teams? Why do we do all these things? Why are we even here in this moment? We're here in this moment because worship is our reflection and reaction to God's love. When we worship, when we give, when we serve, when we do all these things that make no sense to the world around us, it is our reflection of and our reaction to God's love. These things that we do. So if you're like, man, these Christians, they're a little funny. Like they give their money and they worship and they go to church like every weekend. That's crazy. Why do we do that? It's because we are reflecting the character of God in our life. That God first loved us, so we in turn love God. It's a reflection and a reaction to the love of God. So God loves you. Deal with it. No, I'm just joking. Like maybe somebody needed to hear that. God loves you. Just come to peace with that. But God loves you. But, but beyond that, this is what's cool, is then God calls you something specifically. God calls you his child. God calls you his child. Here's what's uniquely different about the God that we worship than any other religious system in the world, because in Islam, there are 99 names for God, and not one of them is Father. Not one of them is Father. This is the relationship that we can have with the almighty, incredible God of the universe is God as Father. That when we approach him, we approach him as his child. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, again, just continuing, he says this, he calls us his children, and that is what we are. Again, I know you're blown away, right? You're glad you wore that first pair of socks because it just got blown right off, right? Like, oh yeah, this is a new revelation. Never heard this before. But John said, I'm here to remind you of who you are and who he is and who you are in him. That he is your father and he loves you and you are his child. But so many people in the church these days just have like an identity crisis, Right, They have this breakdown, it seems like, of like, who am I? What am I built to do? Who you are? You're a child of God, and you're built to worship God. And out of that relationship with God, he'll reveal things to you that are beyond like your intellect or your understanding, and God is going to lead you into incredible realms of faith if you'll just get a picture of how much he loves you and the fact that you're his child. God loves you, 
as father, and he calls you his child. Don't have an identity crisis. Know who you are. You are part of the family of God. Right here, right now, this is like a family reunion when we get together, right? And every family reunion always has like creepy people, and the church is no different. So, and if you're like, I'm not a creepy person, you probably are. I'm just saying, it might, it might be you. It might be you. But God loves you. He calls you his child. This is his family. And listen, your identity is driven by your father. See, like, I mean, this is like basic biology, right? Like, we inherit traits from our father. And I know my dad is laughing right now because he's watching online. He's like, ha, 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 yeah. I taught him everything I know, right? I don't know. But we inherit traits from our father. And listen, there's a family resemblance that's supposed to take place. And this is what John is going to start to lead to here in just a moment. That there's a family resemblance that has to happen among people of faith. And you'll be able to separate out pretty quick here in just a moment. Like who follows Jesus and who's just like talking. Those who say one thing and who do another. But let's talk about family resemblance for a moment. I'm a little bit nervous about my five-year-old. His name is Hudson, and here's why I'm nervous. It's because that's me on the left, and that's him on the right. About the same age. And the family resemblance here, just keep that up for just a second. Here, here's the scary part that this kid's going to have to deal with, right? Like two things are like not in his favor right now. Number one, he got my ears. And like the kids at the playground already have like loaded ammunition on this one. He got my ears. The other thing is he got my attitude. Oh, Lord, help him. Lord, help him. There's certain traits that he received from me. And there's times where I get so frustrated and so worked up. And I'm like, ah, this kid, I love him so much. But ugh, you know what I'm talking about, parents in the house? I, just, I love this kid, but oh, man. You know, and that's the times when my wife, who loves me so much, will remind me he's your son. <laughs> you, him. And I'm like, that's what scares me, right? Like, I'm not even sure how I'm alive right now. I'm not sure how I made it this far with this mouth and this attitude, right? So how do we know if somebody is a child of God? It's when they carry the character, the look, and the mannerisms of their father. And that child of mine, he carries looks and mannerisms and attitudes that he inherited from me, of course, in my sin nature. But in the family of God, it's no different. How do we know that somebody is a follower of Jesus? How do we know that they, they love God, they serve God, that they understand the love of God, at least to a degree in their life, that they're walking in faith in God, they're trusting God as Father, they're living uh, in their life as being a child of God? Like, how do we know? This is easy, right? We shouldn't have to overcomplicate what a follower of Jesus looks like because the character traits of God go by another name. We just call them the fruit of the Spirit. There's love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But we live in this culture that is so opposed to these kind of attitudes and these kind of character traits. Look what John says here. He says, look, no matter how obvious the family recognition between us and our father might be, look, there's people who are just not going to realize it. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 again, he says this, 
But the people who belong to this world, they don't recognize that we're God's children because they don't know him. Look, you may love Jesus and serve him faithfully. Spend time every day in God's word, time every day in God's presence, time every day in prayer. And like the world just like won't care. But we don't let that affect our relationship with our father. Because see, the system of this world, this is what James talks about. James, the brother of Jesus, he talks about how there's these two competing systems in this world. There's the, the wisdom of God and the, and the wisdom of this world. And, and where God is instilling through his Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The world is instilling the opposite. Because they don't want you to have your identity rooted in Jesus. There's no doubt that right now everybody is questioning identity. What is identity? What is, you know, we've just kind of gone culturally insane over the last two years. And I'm just here to remind you that there are character traits from our Father and we as children carry with us that God has called us his children. And instead of love, this world wants to give hatred. Instead of joy, they want to give sorrow. Instead of peace, they want to bring division. Instead of gentleness, they want to bring harshness. Instead of self-control, it's live for the moment. The system of this world is completely set up, opposed to and opposite from the system of God. But you know what? The world won't recognize that. But we must recognize that among one another. Right? We have to recognize that God is at work in each and every one of us based on the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. But frankly, some people don't want to see God. They don't even recognize the mirror is there. They don't even see it. What mirror? I don't even want to talk about a mirror. Well, there's a mirror right there. You ever had a conversation with somebody where you're just trying to talk about how much the Lord means to you? And you're like, look, he's, he's right there. The reflection is right there. And they're like, I don't see anything. I don't know what you're talking about. You pray for them and you love them. And you hope at some point that they'll give in to the Holy Spirit who's calling them, who loves them, to see their reflection in the mirror of God and to see what character God wants to instill in their hearts. And so we reflect the Father. He loves us. We're his children. Some people won't see the family recognition. I know even a moment ago when I had that picture of my son, some of you are like, ah, I don't see it. And you're wrong. But it's there. But <laughs> like, you're, I don't see it. But the world is going to be that way. They don't see it. But in this family of faith, let me just speak to Christians for just a moment. If you're on the fence with Jesus, you're not really like part of the family of faith, you can just kind of eavesdrop on this for just a moment. But inside the family of faith, if it is not love, if it is not joy, if it is not peace, if it is not patience, if it is not kindness, if it is not goodness, if it is not gentleness, if it is not self-control, it is not of the Lord. And may I just encourage you to think through the character of God before you post something. In your interactions with one another, the Apostle Paul says in another place in the scripture, we ought to do good, especially to those in the family of faith. And they'll know that you are Christians by your love for one another. So I guess that begs the question, how do we love one another? 
You're like, okay, Pastor Pete, I get it up to this moment. You're reminding us God loves us. I'm all for it. Uh, You're reminding us I'm his child. Like, praise the Lord. I'm his child. That's great. Okay, the world won't see that, but eh, that's okay. I I only really care about what my father thinks about me. Like, okay, but like how? How do we love one another? And I think the easiest way to figure out how to love one another is to just ask, like, how did Jesus love us? Like, how did Jesus love us? And I know this can be hard because, let's just be honest, there's just some people, they are just hard to love. You know, you try. You try. Some of you, you're related to them. And you're like, it's hard to love this person. And some people are hard to love, but the Lord loves them too. I think that's the hard reality we have to wrap our brain around. As God doesn't just love the victim, he also loves the perpetrator. What do we do with that? How do we love in this situation? I just want to suggest to you a couple ways that we can show love. First is we give up. We give up. There's a certain amount of surrender that comes into the life of the follower of Jesus. Where in coming into the family of faith, we give up certain privileges or rights that we think we are entitled to, but for the sake and the benefit of somebody else, we give up. Now I know right now, 50% of you are like, yes, and 50% of you are like, this guy's a commie. But, (laughs) But let's just look at what Jesus did when we talk about giving up. In 1 John 3, 16, we know what real love is. Say no. No, we know. We don't have to guess. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to what? Give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Huh. That's one of those scriptures that's like easier read than done. Like how do we give up our lives for one another? Okay, we can know this love because Jesus' love went beyond words. His love went beyond just words from his mouth and went into actions, actions that ultimately led to the cross, the ultimate expression of love. The cross equals love. God is love. It's in his essential nature, his essential character that he is love. But here's the deal. Jesus didn't just proclaim his love. He proved his love. He didn't just proclaim his love. Oh, you can proclaim stuff all day long. You can, I, you know, I can proclaim right now that I'm a cantaloupe. It doesn't make it a reality. Unless I show the fruit of being a cantaloupe, I am not a cantaloupe. Some of you are like, I'm really craving cantaloupe right now. I can say it, but how do I demonstrate it? I can proclaim it, but how do I prove it? Jesus proclaimed his love verbally, but then he demonstrated his love physically. He proved his love. And so, see, that's the difference between a proclamation of the gospel and a demonstration of the gospel. And see, you have to have both. If you're going to talk about how great God is, how awesome Jesus is, how much he's changed your life, you have to have a proclamation of the gospel and a demonstration of the gospel. Where you proclaim with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and then you demonstrate the gospel in some tangible way. Because Jesus is Lord, and he saved me. This is what I want to do for you. I'm going to give up what I think I'm entitled to. I'm going to give up my rights, my thoughts, maybe my opinions. If it means that you might be open to the gospel of Jesus, I will do something to serve you. That can get tricky, and it can get messy, 
And in some ways, it's supposed to be, because relationships are messy. We were talking about that a couple months ago, how relationships are messy. But every proclamation of the gospel needs a demonstration of the gospel. We don't just preach the gospel, we live the gospel. And so, see here, this is where John is going to give us like a practical application of this. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, just like pretty basic illustration. He said, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Just leave that text up there for just a moment. If someone has enough money to live well, God has provided to you, he's been faithful to you, you're like, you, okay, you may not be like cruising around on a yacht, but like you're okay, right? If you have enough money to live well, but you see a brother or sister in need, you recognize there's a need in the family of God, but you do nothing. How is God's love demonstrated in that moment? How does that look to the world around you when we can't even treat those in the family of faith with decency and kindness and goodness and love? Saying, if you have enough, God has blessed you with something. Our response is to be generous. Our cup is now overflowing to where we can be a blessing to somebody else. I've said this uh, before. I know I've said it if you've been through Starting Point, that perhaps you are the miracle in somebody else's life, that God is going to use you to bring about a miracle in somebody's life. He's a miracle-working God. Sometimes he does that sovereignly and supernaturally without, like, I don't know how to explain this. And sometimes God works miracles through you to be a blessing to somebody else. It's as if some folks say, I will receive the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, and certainly the gifts of God. I will receive all of that in my life. But it stops here. And we don't extend that to the family of faith. That right there is when we see a need, but we do nothing about it. I see something, but I'm doing nothing about it. That's what John is talking about here, is where you recognize there's a need in the body, and you have the ability because of God's blessing to do something about it, but you do nothing. That hurts the body. And we don't want to hurt the body. I mean, we're talking about this family life. And and 1 John, we want to reflect the Father by loving the family. We want to reflect the character of God. And I know it's so trite to say, it's like, okay, what would Jesus do? What does God want me to do in this moment? Look, here's, I'll just make this really simple. If I want to reflect the heart of my Father to the family, then here's the basic takeaway. If I see a need... I do what I can to meet the need. If I see a need, I do what I can to meet that need. Because here's the deal. If I give up something to bless you, I lose nothing. Think about that for just a moment. If I give up something to be a blessing to you, I've lost nothing. Hopefully I've gained you as a friend and, and I've encouraged you to be a follower of Jesus, and in turn, as God has blessed you, you be a blessing to somebody else. But if I do something to bless you, if I give up something to bless you, I've lost nothing. Okay, last thought. How do we show this off? We show up. We show up. We give up, and we show up. How do we demonstrate God's love, the reflection of God's character to the family? We give up, and secondly, we show up. So this is what John says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. He says, Dear children, I just love that empathy in his voice. He's an older man writing to this young church. He said, let's not merely say that we love each other, 
Let's show the truth by our actions. It's show and tell. It's not just tell. Let's not just say that we love each other. Let's show it. Let's demonstrate it in some tangible way that we love one another. So here's just kind of the, if I can just give you kind of the, the Pastor Pete kick in the, wherever I'm kicking you right now. Um, if you speak up about something, you need to show up. If you speak up about an issue, if you speak up about a problem, if you speak up about something that's going on in the body or something related to the body, if you speak up about that issue, you have to show up. You can't just say, Lord, send someone without praying, Lord, send me. In fact, that's a way that I like to pray. Like if I become aware of a need, I'm like, Lord, meet that need. And if you want to, do that through me. Use me first. Use me to meet that need. If I speak up about something, I have to be willing to show up. See, this demonstration, we're good at proclamation. The demonstration is kind of the hard part. Proclamation is easy. Demonstration is difficult. How do we proclaim that we love one another and how do we demonstrate that we love one another without those things coming into conflict? And this is something I posted about on Facebook this week and I wasn't trying to be uh, divisive about it. It's just like I, I, I see in the church Christians interacting with one another in a way that's not filled with grace. It's not filled with love. It's not filled with gentleness. It's not, frankly, not filled with kindness. It's filled with guilt. It's filled with shame. It's filled with blame. It's filled with finger pointing. It's filled with everything but the character of Jesus. Like, can we just stop? Like, can we just stop doing that and demonstrate God's love for one another? We give up for the sake of other people being able to experience the fullness of Jesus. And then secondly, we show up. And here's where it gets, man, here's where it gets tricky. Because we've become really good mirror Christians. And I don't mean mere as an M-E-R-E, like mere Christians, but like mere Christians in this sense that we perfected the art in the church of social distancing before it was cool. And I say it in this way, because we always find ways to distance ourselves from one another, because the closer you get to me, the more real I have to be with you, and that's hard, because again, relationships are messy. But we've done good at being mere Christians. We created distance, right? It's hard to talk in person, so we started talking on the phone. Talking on the phone got hard, so we started texting. Texting got hard, so we started ghosting. Like, uh, I just don't even want to respond to that. Now we have a lot of Christians in the culture and the day that we live in, and they're two-dimensional Christians. They're mere Christians. They're good at the screen. They're not good and the person, they're good at speaking up. I'll type out all my thoughts right here, but I won't show up. I'll give you my opinion, but I won't give you my presence. There's something off there. Let's not be two-dimensional Christians. See, this mirror, if I wanted to reach through and grab that TV behind me, the perception is the TV is right there. I can just reach out and grab it, but ah, it's an illusion. It's not there. It's just a reflection of what's there. So Christian, let me just ask you in the house this morning, we're going to worship the Lord in just a minute. I promise you it's coming to an encouraging conclusion, okay? But we're going to sing and, and worship Jesus. Uh, yeah, I'm expecting tomatoes and cabbage here, but um, 
Let me just encourage you. Christians, let me just ask you, like in the mirror, are you a mirror Christian? Where you're like, oh, it's so easy to reflect in this context. It's difficult to reflect in this context. I'm really good at speaking up. I'm not so good at showing up. I'm good at proclaiming the gospel. Demonstrating the gospel is a whole nother tricky subject. Like, I don't know how to love. I don't know how to give you the grace that you deserve. I don't know how to give you that kind of encouragement and that kind of love. And I'm just here to tell you, stop being a two-dimensional Christian because the depth only goes so far. There's only so much in there you can reach. It's just a reflection. Let Jesus be your mirror and then turn and face the world with kindness, compassion, and the fruit of the Spirit so that many people may know the Jesus that we know, so that many people may call on God as Father as we call on God as Father. And that's what we're gonna do here in just a moment. We're gonna sing in just a moment. And we're gonna talk about being a child child of God because this is so critical you know but you say ah, ah pastor Pete you know like um I mean there's a pandemic okay I'm sorry but John didn't leave an asterisk in the text in the case of a pandemic like he he didn't say like all of this is true you must speak up you must show up you must say it you must demonstrate it unless there's an event of a pandemic and then don't do any of the above it's all null and void no he didn't do that he he didn't leave the asterisk he was too busy being beaten and boiled and jailed and bruised and exiled to mention masks and distancing if we speak up we must show up and yeah, there's a loving encouragement that it's time for the church to get back together, to get back to loving people the way that Jesus loves them. And it has to begin here. If it doesn't start here, there's no way it'll go there. There's no way. If we can't love your brother who you see, how can you love your father who you can't see? And so Christians, let me just ask, let me just ask you this morning, if Jesus is your mirror, what does your reflection look like? I mean, if you just took a moment and asked the Holy Spirit, and I would encourage you to do this. And so every Christian in the room, just close your eyes for just a moment and just pray this prayer internally. Just Let's just internalize this for a minute. Forget I, I trip over my words. Don't listen to me. Listen to the Holy Spirit right now. The Holy Spirit's gonna hold up a mirror called Jesus to you. And there's gonna be a reflection that you see in the mirror. And maybe you're like me and you're catching a mirror like in that hotel mirror. And it, ooh, it's not pretty. And in this moment, this is not a word of condemnation. This is just a word of encouragement that God wants to change that reflection. He wants to build into you his character of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are you looking in the mirror and only seeing yourself or do you see family that's hurting and if you do see hurting, are you doing something about it? Christian, I'm not saying you have to have it all figured out. I'm just saying do something. Listen to the voice of God and do something. Take a step in some direction to be a blessing to somebody else. Because when we know what we need to do and we don't do it, that's sin. But Jesus' grace is greater than all our sin. All right, everybody look at me for just a moment. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing. I just want to talk to you for a minute. If you're in the house and you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm just here to encourage you. You cannot begin to know 
how incredibly wide God's love is for you, how great his love is for you. Today, he's telling you, I am your father, I am your friend, and I am here, and I am with you, and I love you. And today, he's calling you to be his child. And perhaps you have never made a confession of faith in the Lord Jesus, and today is that day. Today is the day. Now is the hour of salvation. And God has been tapping you on the shoulder for a long time. And it's all culminated into this moment. And you say, you know what, today, Pastor Pete, this is the day that I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. I'm going to recognize how much God loves me to the point where he showed it to me on a cross. And with every eye open, with every head up, and everybody looking at me, is there anybody in here, you just wave a hand and say, I have never made a confession of faith. Or you know what, I've walked away from God a long time. And today I'm walking back. And you just wave. I'm not asking you to do anything else, but just wave right now. Is there anybody? I don't want to miss an opportunity. And the reason why everybody's looking is because this is an awesome awesome moment, right? Because everybody who's a follower of Jesus in here, you get it. You know what God has brought you out of. You know what God has saved you from. You know how awesome he is, and you want other people to experience that as well. And I don't want to miss a moment. If there's anybody here, and just wave at me. I know it's like weird, right? It's okay. Lean into weird for just a moment. I'm weird. Eh, whatever. But like, hey, God is so incredibly worthy. He loves you immeasurably. He gave Jesus for you so that you could be with him forever. It's an amazing story. And he calls you his child. And that is who you are. Let's sing this out to the Lord for just a moment. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.